This is Above Grade with J.S. Brown and your host, Bryce Jacob. Welcome to Above Grade, where every week we discuss the construction landscape here in central Ohio. I'm your host, Bryce Jacob, president over at J.S. Brown & Company, here with Greg Hansberry, and we're both here for your educational and entertaining value. Hooray! It's it's everything everyone's <laughs> asked for, isn't it? I don't know why they keep coming back. <laughs> well, they do. And in this week in particular, they're coming back in, in large numbers and in force. Yes. With their questions. And this is we've, awesome. We've been teeing this up for a while now, and we've been asking you folks... Who are listening? If you've got questions, you got thoughts, you got ideas to share with us, and you've been doing it now. It took a little while for you to warm up. It's I taken us it. uh, the whole run of the of the first season to get to really to, get some people to, to loosen to, up. Yeah, and it's not just our mothers, of, of listeners, right. which is good. It's actual people that are uh, reaching out to us with some questions. It's not so we're just gonna... Sue from Toledo and my wife anymore, <laughs> and your kids running through right. the studio. Yes, yes, that's right. And everyone asking <laughs> why are we still doing this? So we actually had some really good questions. We're going to field them today. Cool. And uh, those of you that sent those those questions in to us, thank you so much. Uh, any of you who are really bummed that we don't read your question, uh, feel free to send us some other questions that you have. Or if you're going, gosh, they really are doing this, uh, you can do that by sending us an email at abovegrade at jsbrowncompany.com. So abovegrade at jsbrowncompany.com. No spaces in there. Don't do that or we won't get it. And uh, and we'll read your question and we, we'll do another one of these shows. If we get them more regularly... Uh, in here, and now that you folks are loosened up, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, let's do it. We'll do the show it, more often. It reminds me of uh, Letterman's uh, CBS mailbag. I'm sure it's going to go that? probably as well. As, He'll as take hilarious. some notes. <laughs> yeah, he should take some notes on how we do it. You know, we're the, we're We've the new got pros. Letters. <laughs> We've got letters. <laughs> All right, so here's how it's going to go, folks. Okay. Greg is going to go ahead and uh, and let us know whose question it is and what the question is, and then I will attempt to either answer it or just disconnect us from that question. <laughs> Fair enough. Right? Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. And if you don't uh, have the answers, I'll Google it really quick. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. All That's right. good. I'll, okay. I'll send you the G sign. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here we go, right? Let's do it. Let's start from the top. This first one's from uh, Alice in Hilliard. Okay. We are getting water in our basement. Do you know what may be causing this? Is there... That's is there it. more to the question? Period. That's all, Alice. All right. Thanks. So she, Alice is getting water in her basement. Do you know what's causing this? A leak. You know, I could, let me feel this one. A leak. <laughs> <laughs> Greg, you shouldn't be answering these questions. Okay, sorry. <laughs> There's wa- it could be from a leak, or they could just have water in their basement from. Uh, they have a faucet, perhaps. Mm-hmm, sure. Well, I would. I would think if you're getting water in your basement, it's a serious enough question. Let's take it seriously. All right. right? Okay. So. Uh, what happens oftentimes in this area, the water table's high. We've had a lot of rain this year mm-hmm. in particular. It's been very, very wet. It is wet. All year. You know, it, it, we didn't have a typical June, July, August, so the ground is very saturated. So it's no surprise that people are getting a lot of water in their basement uh, where they probably don't want water right mm-hmm. now. So what's probably causing it is there are some things that you might want to look at around your home that could improve the grade, which we talked about this in our tips episode of things you can do in the spring and in the fall to kind of get your home ready. Uh, one of the things, that, Alice, you can do is take a walk around the house, check the grade around the foundation and make sure everything's sloping away from the home. Makes sense. Uh, if it's sloping toward the foundation, water's going to gather there. It's going to go right down the side, uh, inside of those block or poured walls, whatever you might have. And concrete's porous. And as the as your house settles over time, little cracks form in there and water finds a way to get in. So if it's streaming down the walls, if it's really bad, you probably want to get someone out there to look at potentially waterproofing it. There's some really good basement companies in town. Basement doctors will 
one that I would recommend that you take a peek at if you're going to be doing some waterproofing. They do a really, really nice job over there, and, um, and, and they would be able to identify what that real problem is. If you've got a finished basement and you're getting water in, you might start to get some mold issues, so yeah, you want to be real yuck. careful with that. So whatever it smells like down there, uh, to, you know, do the old sniff test. If it smells really musty and moldy, and a lot of basements do uh, for the reason of just it's a basement. water getting yeah. in. Now, if you go around the house and you don't see your grade as a problem, and grade does not uh, count as mulch or leaves. So, you know, <laughs> if all that's house. piled up and they're sloped away, you, you'll want to see what the soil is doing against the house. Because animals dig against houses. They do all kinds of things throughout the course of the year. So try to get that grade back up and sloping away. The other thing to take a look at is, are your gutters blocked? Um, or, and your downspouts, are they blocked? And might water be overflowing? So the next rainstorm, put your raincoat out, go outside, see if there's water overflowing from your gutters. Or if you see in the soil... It looks like water's been pouring against the soil mm-hmm. and there's erosion there. It means that your water's not flowing properly out of your, uh, in your gutters to the downspouts and away from your home. So that wash water. Wash away that grade, yeah. Yeah, wash, it can wash away the grade, but it also concentrates a high concentration of water close to your, to your foundation, which is not what you want. So clean your gutters out. This, hopefully everybody's done that by now. If not, it's going to be a cold day <laughs> out there cleaning your gutters. But some of you will probably be up on ladders the next day that we... There are still you know, tree, trees with leaves if you look around a little bit. Yeah, they always hold yeah. them. You know, some of the oak trees hold their leaves really late yes. into the year. Um, the pin oaks do that. And so they release them really late. And you can, you know, after you've cleaned your gutters, and, the, and of course, there's still leaves that blow around. If you've got mm-hmm. a lot of trees in the neighborhood, you're going to get it blown around. I have a, a bald cypress, and it's losing all of its, like, pine needle things in the oh, backyard yeah. now. What a and mess. I know. After I've already cleaned and raked and mowed all the leaves once, now i got to go it back waited. and do it again. Yep. It saw you and it was Thanks, like, buddy. good, good. Now, now we don't have to, you know, wonder. <laughs> they, they are mine from that tree. So, okay. Uh, Real quick follow-up yeah. on, on water in the basement. So traditionally the winter is a time where it's uh, not very humid. You might turn your dehumidifier off or uh, what yeah. have you. But if you have... A musty, watery basement. I mean, you want you want to make sure you still keep that dehumidifier on, right? It will, especially if you are getting water in the basement. Because remember, the water isn't going to freeze below thirty six inches. Uh, it's really not going to freeze much below eighteen unless we get into those long, extended, bitter cold days. So the water that's below, you know, below grade. Right. Uh, not to do a spin off of our, <laughs> our show's namesake, but you know, there's still water that's flowing underground and is active. So. Yeah, you're right. You turn the air on uh, this time of year. It's probably been on for a couple months now with mm-hmm. the way the temperature's been around here. And it dries the air out, especially forced air. If you've got mm-hmm. um, uh, radiant, th- that's a little bit more moist. So you might have more natural humidity in the air and may want to draw some of that out, especially okay. in the basement. But in the uh, in the rest of the house, that's where if you're if you're touching metal or you're you know you're shocking you're people, shocks, yes, your you hair know, you need more humidity. You wake up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do. I mean, when you move your sheets at night and you right. see a, a lightning storm under the covers, well, because we, we know it's not uh, you know what. I'm on my love life. It's not. That's oh, not what's great. causing the, the sparks under this, the, well, I'm just saying. Let's keep it above grade it, it, what, and above <laughs> covers. Okay. 
Jeez. It's not me causing the sparks is all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. So it's the, it's the dryness. It's the yes. static. So don't and, the, be, or, and the lack of static in the, the room. The, right. or, or the, don't be afraid to uh, use the dehumidifier even in the, in the winter months is what you're saying. Well, if, yeah. If yeah you unless, unless you are getting shocked mm-hmm. or you're, you know, you're walking across a carpet touching a light switch and you about blow your fingertip sure. off. I mean, that, I've had that happen a lot. And uh, yeah, but if there's water in the basement, those are some th- simple things, else that you can do is just check the outside of your home. Um, if you've done all those things and your gutters are connected to the drain tile and there's water pouring out at the street when there's rain or there's snow melting, uh, then then you may want to get someone like the basement doctor out to take a look at what could be happening if you have a failing foundation. Uh, ho- hopefully that's not what the case is. Karen from Upper Arlington, we would like to put an addition on our home and we'd like to know when is the best time of the year to do it. Well, there's two ways I'm going to answer that question, Karen. All there's right. there's uh, planning the project, and then there's the actual construction of the project because the uh, planning takes a while. If you're planning an addition and you're in Upper Arlington, there might be some variances. If you're putting an addition on, a lot of the homes in Arlington are structured on their lot to be pretty tight mm-hmm. to setbacks. Sure, <clears throat> there's not a lot of not a lot of room in all cases, but there's there's still opportunities for room additions uh, quite a bit. Going up, going out, we just want to make sure we check that. But there's planning that goes into it to make sure you've got the right structure going in. But as far as the time of year when you want to dig a foundation, boy, Ohio is a tricky one because you have the colder months, which you you can dig really up until January and get a foundation in the ground without mm-hmm. much problem. There's obviously days that we've had where it's been really cold in the 20s and so forth. You just really shouldn't be pouring concrete unless it's tented and heated, which you can do. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to, you know, uh, build an addition in the winter, it's not the end of the world. Uh, uh, also, most additions are are framed up, tied into the existing structure, and then dried in before you penetrate into the existing structure itself, oh, okay. depending on what you're doing. A lot of people are really concerned feeling like it's camping sure. time, and it really isn't. Um, the areas can be completely separated. The the mechanicals can be done, and the mechanicals being heating and air conditioning, electrical, um, and plumbing can be done in additions, and then that air can start to be regulated as it's tied into the new home. So that's one or of the final home, steps is kind of blowing through the walls or whatever. and, and, and Well, final in the <clears throat> initial stages, you know, not, not to mislead anybody, but, right. you know, the, the final of the initial stages because... Those initial stages are just getting the structure dried in, and then there's, of course, all the finish, the drywall, mm, sure. and then there's the trim and the cabinetry and flooring and, you know, any anything else you're tricking the house out with, crown mold, all that. But, um, yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done. But, but Karen, I wouldn't distract you from, from beginning planning at any time because, shoot, we never know with the rain. You know, we were just talking about that with uh, Alice's question with the the water that we've had around here. I mean, when you'd think you could dig in July without a problem in the heat and do all that great stuff, we had one of the, is it wettest, <laughs> most wet Julys <laughs> that I can re- remember. Uh, it's just never been like that. My grass never got brown this year, and I don't have an irrigation system. Well, that's a good, that's at least one positive thing about all the weather, all the yeah, rain, Yeah, but I had know? a mow all uh, year. Usually yeah. I get about a three or four week break right. in the middle of the summer. <laughs> I didn't this year, but you know, there's a lot of rain. So you just never know with mother nature around here, but you've got to find a window of time where you can mm -hmm. actually dig, pour your footer and get your foundation started. You just want a dry hole for a footer to set in. You don't want that. So in the middle of spring, the beauty, it could be 
60 degrees, but if it's wet, it's no different than if it's 20 degrees. 20 degrees, yeah. yeah. It really isn't. I mean, there are certain days you can do it and certain days you can't. Mm -hmm. So, yep. Mark, uh, he's from Bexley, and he says, I'm thinking about putting a large skylight in my roof, but I'm not Mm -hmm. sure how big I can make it, and uh, should I be afraid of it leaking? Ah, yeah, that's a good question. You know, Greg, I get a lot of people asking questions about skylights, and... um, you know, many people say, I just want to get rid of those dumb skylights. Leak, <laughs> you know, all skylights do is leak. Uh, a skylight is like a window. It shouldn't sure. leak. Um, it's an installation issue more than it is anything else. As if it, was, it wasn't flashed properly, uh, that's why it's leaking. And so the size of the skylight really doesn't matter. It doesn't mean the bigger it is, the more likely it is to leak. It all has to do with it's going to be manufactured for the size that it's manufactured to. And they don't say, well, we made it so big, it's just not going to work for you. They're (laughs) going to make it right. It's just a matter of can you install it right. Sometimes if you're doing a a rooftop, it depends uh, how Mark's application is. But obviously if it's on a slanted roof, you can do a pretty sizable skylight um, and have that thing flashed in. The bigger the hole is, the more engineering you have for, you know, uh, re-diverting the the weight of the roof structure that was there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you don't have it doing the same thing, bearing down on the existing structure. So that's the part where you have to really look at is when you put this hole in the roof, how are you shoring that up to hold that fast and make sure it doesn't shift or whatever the case is. If he's got a flat roof, there's something called a lantern. And that's a, that's like a, probably seen like a greenhouse <laughs> yeah, yeah right it yeah. kind of looks like a greenhouse just up on the roof um and it's ironic uh, that mark asked this question because we're we're talking to a mark in bexley i wonder if this is before we, we <laughs> talked the same to guy about doing a mark with no k a, yeah yeah and it's spelled <laughs> the same way so very well could be my client that already knows the answer to this question <laughs> we've gone through it so maybe mark should call in and say i got the answers now but we're doing a rooftop lantern for him which is, uh, it's about a 10 by 12 hole in the roof. Wow. So we've got to engineer that whole thing out. And then it has side wa- walls to it that are 24 inches deep. And then you've got the glass rooftop that's actually, it's you like know. a whole other room. Yeah. Up, up <laughs> on in the, the on ceiling. ceiling. Yeah. But it's going to be really cool because it's over the kitchen. Cool. That's going to let a lot of natural light in into the kitchen and just really open that area. It's going to make the ceiling feel like it's two feet taller too in that 10 by 12 area that this big skylight's going in. So that'll be kind of neat, but no, the installation of a skylight is really where the rubber meets the road. Just like any other window. Just like any other window. Yeah. Windows leak too, if you don't flash them right. Andy from Upper Arlington, where is the best place to build a wine cellar in your home? Uh, in my home, <laughs> put it in my home, Andy, close to me. Yeah. <laughs> close exactly. to me. Uh, yeah. Wine cellars are really cool. You know, obviously it depends on if you're going to have any, uh, any, anything that's going to regulate the temperature of it. If you're mm-hmm. doing a true wine cellar, um, it kind of doesn't matter where you put it, it in the home. It doesn't have to be in the basement. Like it doesn't have to be in the basement. Uh, basements are ideal because they're naturally cooler and sure. your systems don't have to work so hard. And there's usually room in basements that just make you feel like you're going to a traditional cellar. Sure. But the term cellar has been thrown away, thrown around so much in association with wine that it isn't necessarily, you know, below ground. Sure, right, uh, right. And so... The, the crumbling stone walls, that's kind of a thing of the past. Yeah, exactly. The rats, uh-huh. you know, sitting on a wine <laughs> barrel somewhere. Um, no, it's it, nothing quite like that, but you can do them in an interior space. Some of the things to, to be cautioned of is if you're doing them on an exterior wall... Uh, uh, above grade. Mm-hmm. So you're doing them on a first or second floor, which we've seen them all over the place in homes. 
um, on an exterior wall, you just have to make sure that the walls are really well insulated and thicker in that area. Because if you have any return air or any supply air coming into that area with, um, um, it can create condensation. Mm. So on those really hot summer days in July and August and, you know, whenever we have the real, real, real hot heat when mm -hmm. it's not raining, uh, that has an opportunity to create condensation as that thing's pushing cool air into the into the uh, cellar to regulate temperature. So you can get condensation in there. And we experienced that actually with, with one of ours. So it's kind of ironic. Um, uh, with doing it on a first floor, we had some condensation build up. We had to actually go into a new wine cellar we had just finished, getting some condensation and realizing we needed to really improve the insulation uh, around those supply trunks because they were, they were there still some heat from that exterior wall. It was a southern facing wall that it was on, so the They're sun was beating the snot out of that mm -hmm. wall, and it just created kind of the perfect storm in that wall. So we've we've remedied that at this point, which is good. But those are the only things to be cautioned of if you're going to have it on a on a first floor or second floor, be, you know, try to do it in an interior space. Generally people don't want nat want windows in, sure. a, in a room cause you don't want to spoil the wine. Uh, unless you do what we talked about last week, have, uh, you know, um, Charlie come out from SGO and put in, you know, a designer glass system. A cool, a cool <laughs> picture be, of a bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah. He'll do anything there. He'll do anything. Grapes, you know, Ooh, I like Cupid. That. There you go. Uh, Cupid. <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want to have in your wine cellar. All right, give me more, give me more. What Kathy do you got? from Powell, okay. we had pipes freeze last winter, and I don't want the same to happen this year. Do you have any recommendations to prevent my pipes from freezing? Yes, I do. If you had pipes freeze uh, last winter, uh, they'll probably freeze this winter. It's supposed to be even even colder this year, so be real careful. Winter is coming. Winter, winter's here, man. Winter's here. Right, it, uh. I feel like it's been here forever already. We go right from summer to winter. There was no fall this year. Uh, it was uh -uh. really quick. Yeah. It was a really quick fall, no. but oh well. Uh, anyway, let's, let's get back to Kathy's question. <laughs> Kathy, sorry. <laughs> Poor Kathy. We digress. She's, she's writing all this down. And going, hey, hey, I don't get it. <laughs> Winter's <funny>. coming. <laughs> I don't want my pipes to freeze again. Okay, here's what you can do. If you can identify where the pipes were that froze, they're probably in an exterior wall, would be my guess. It wasn't uncommon when um, half-inch pipe or even three-quarter-inch copper lines were put in an exterior wall. It was a two-by-four wall. Well, they don't do that anymore. It's, it's against code to do that because of this issue of freezing. Sometimes they go down into a basement into mm -hmm. uh, the area above the, f uh, the foundation where you have... I'll try to describe this. You have your foundation wall, and then you have your floor joist sitting on the foundation, and then you have what's called a band board that goes around the outside of all of that framing, and there's a little pocket in there. So if you've ever gone in an unfinished basement and you follow your wall up and you look up and over, there's a big pocket back in there of nothing. Okay. And so oftentimes plumbing that comes down out of the wall drops down into that area. Well, there's no insulation in there. The only thing that's insulating that space is the band board, which is usually a two by eight or two by 10, two by 12. It could be any of those things in that area, which is wood. And then you have siding on the outside of the house covering that, a little bit of sheeting and some siding. Okay, so oftentimes you're gonna have this that, that cavity up there that isn't protected by a whole lot. You can go and put insulation in there, see if that's where your pipes froze last year. If they froze, you probably had them repaired because the copper split in them. Um, that could be one of the things that's going on. So get insulation tucked into that uh, into those joist ends, those mm -hmm. floor joist ends in the basement on top of that foundation wall if you have the ability to get them in there. That will really help not just from your pipes 
it will just help your uh, heating and air conditioning bill drop quite a bit because you're you're stopping that outside air from coming in rapidly. And can you do that yourself? Just get yeah. some insulation and shove it up in there. Go buy a roll of R38. R38. Uh, R38 is usually used in attics. It's great for those joist end areas. You can use R19, but R38, I, I like to use a higher rated. The R38 is going to be thicker. It's what you usually use in attics. It's about 12 to 13 inches deep. Just cut sections of that and stuff it up in there. It goes on the honeydew list this week. So <laughs> so there you go, Kathy. You can do that. The other thing that might be happening is if you, and I don't know where your freezing came from, um, but sometimes there's a hose bib on the outside of a home. Uh, do you know what a hose bib is? Um, well, you have a child, I, so you know what a bib is. I know what a bib is. is yeah. I, I mean, I assume it has to do something where you, you know, plug your hose in to the to the faucet. It's the faucet. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the industry term call it the is faucet. hose bib. Come on. The spigot. You've probably heard that. Yeah. You know, your your outside spigot. So where you attach your hose. A lot of times people leave their hose attached to it. Mm. And you're, you may have used it to water the garden, your flowers, or whatever it might have been, the mums at the end of the season. And there's water that sits inside your hose. Well, as that water freezes, it backs up and expands and it has to go somewhere. Well, it can go, if it gets cold enough and it pushes that water into the, the spigot, mm-hmm. it can actually expand and break the valve ah. and it splits the metal. You're done for when that happens because there's nothing stopping water from flowing. And if it's cold enough outside and that metal's split, you get two things that happen. One, the water backs up into the house and floods your basement. And then it also, on the outside of the house, if it's cold enough and, you, and it goes unattended. So when people go on vacation, always when it happens. Sure, of course. And it creates this giant mountain of, of ice up mm. against the house. It can destroy the siding. It can do just a tremendous amount of damage to the homes. You get home and, and your basement's flooded. It's a disaster. So if you have spigots to your home, do two things. Detach your hose from it. Okay. Check. Put your hoses away so they aren't damaged next year. You wonder why your you know nozzle doesn't come unscrewed right, because it's yeah. expanded and contracted because of the ice in it and it's <laughs> ruined it. So uh, if you want that stuff to last, take it in, put it in a shed somewhere where it's not out in the elements. And also ha- get a shutoff valve to your your spigots in the house. Mm, that's so a good tip. Up in the up in the joist section where there's that copper line going out to feed that spigot, have a have a valve installed. It's only a couple hundred bucks. It's not that big of a deal to have a plumber come out, cut the line. It's getting a plumber to come out right now because they're in <laughs> so demand. Uh, but you can cut that, put in a valve, and shut it off. And, and then in the spring, turn trouble. it back on. Yeah, a couple hundred bucks it, instead of. Think about what your deductible uh, yeah. is on your homeowner's right. insurance. You get a huge claim like that. You got to go through all that rigmarole, the things you lose in the process. And then filing that claim, getting reimbursed, and then your rates go up. Great. Just go get a go get a shutoff valve put in. If it's in an area where it's a finished basement, you know it's there. There are little panels that can be put in for that shutoff valve that are pretty inconspicuous. It's it's well worth it. I did it in my house. I'm in an older house, and I'd been by homes where I'd seen the damage from this. And I, the first thing I did in that house, I put stops in learn from yeah. from uh watching other people yeah i don't i don't want to have that happen in my home man it's it, it's a big old mess the other thing since we're on the topic of ice and this time of year and the gutters shoot we were talking about that with uh with the very first person i think why she might have water with in her alice, basement yeah. alice yeah uh well ice damming can be a big thing this time of year so make sure your gutters are clear and your downspouts are clear so water flows out do you know what ice damming is or how it happens? Uh, it just, is that what it goes underneath the shingles? Yeah. 
um, and just freezes, then more water, and it freezes, and more water, and then it freezes. Yeah, it's a freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw, freeze-thaw. Yeah, so it free, freezes, more water is the thaw part. So, yeah, and it creeps. It actually crawls up underneath the shingles, and then when you're, you're out of the uh, ice guard or protective paper there, it gets up under there, and it goes right down on the wood, and the heat from your house, you know, as heat rises, that heat comes up and it continues to melt that and allows the water to penetrate in. So when you see a stain forming on your ceiling Mm -mm. and you've had a lot of, uh, you know, the the freeze at night and then the sun beats down on it during the day, it can create huge, huge mounds of ice. So you may have to have someone get up on, you know, some young strapping lad, (laughs) get up on the roof there on a high ladder and And chisel chisel it away. Be careful when they're chiseling not to penetrate your roof. Well, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I've seen people Oops. do that and you're like, okay, there's a new problem. So uh, chisel away that ice, or you can also get those little heater lines. There's these little coil lines that you can put up on, on your roof. Most, uh, the, the codes have changed. When we do an addition, we have to have 36 inches of ice guard from the edge of the gutter up the roof, three feet of ice guard. And we usually do two bands of that. So there's twice the ice guard and, uh, and that, helps prevent the effects of ice damming. It doesn't stop ice damming. It just stops the damn ice. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I gotcha. All right. Anyway, that that was, uh, thanks, Kathy. That got us on a lot of things to talk about. Marsha from Westerville. Oh, this is just a question just for you, Bryce. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite kind of project, Bryce? Oh, man, I love that question. Uh, I, I tell you what, I love every, any kind of project. I know that doesn't help Marsha at all. I, I like working with people that are excited about their projects. That's that's what makes a project fun. Yeah. You know, the client, honest to goodness, this is the, this is the truth. Um, I really, really like having fun with my clients <laughs> and just enjoying the process. You know, you've probably gathered from the show, I like to laugh a lot. Um, I If you take it too seriously, boy, it can eat you up. It can and be stressful, sure. No matter if it's a... You know, um, a family room addition or a kitchen or a bathroom or a wine cellar. I'm working on a humidor project right now. Oh, that's fun. And it's not a, it's, it's a tiny project, but man, is it cool. Sure. And I'm having a lot of fun with this guy. You know, we're just having a good time. I haven't even smoked a cigar with him. Yeah, I don't smoke cigars, <laughs> but I'm just having, we're having a, a nice time in our conversation. And I just love projects like that, where you can tell the homeowner really appreciates your creative genius that you bring to the mm-hmm. table. Um, but also just, you can tell how it's impacting their life. And I know it might sound like a crazy way to answer the question because it isn't, there isn't a project type I like better than any other. It's a client type. So uh, if you, Marsha would like to rephrase your question and send a new one, what's my favorite type of client? I'll be happy to answer that, but I'm not going to go into that right now. And do you like projects that, um, challenge you to do something you've never done before? Is that, I do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny because. There are so many projects that we work on day in, day out that there are every now and then there's a project that's really nice. I know how to just turnkey it. Yeah. You know, where someone's just like, I just need you to do this. And I go, yep, got it. And it's done in three days and it's taken care of and they're as happy as can be. And then there are the other jobs where like this humidor project where we're trying to figure out um, what's the best size what kind of cigars, what, you know, what, how do we want to display you, you them? You have to go and learn a little bit about the cigars Absolutely. and everything too. Yeah, cool. I do. I have to, I have to learn about them. Um, I've done that with, with, um, with, uh, breweries in, in home breweries, mm-hmm. craft breweries in people's homes. 
you know, or I do that myself on the side um, as some uh, some brewing. So it's really fun for me to talk to people about their breweries, and they're always better at it than yeah, I am, well, which is really yeah. kind of fun. But there are ways to design that that cellar for them to brew in and store and inventory, cool. however big they want to get, uh, and that's always super fascinating. And um, and there's always something they're doing that brings great joy to them. So, yeah, I, I, I love doing stuff that pushes the creative limit sometimes where we really have to learn because every project I've ever done is custom. So no two projects have ever been alike that I've done out of all the years I've been doing this. Every single project's different. It might be a bathroom, but I've never done the same bathroom sure. twice. And there's always cool product out there. You know, this was a great right. question because yeah. I'm really, yeah, obviously you can tell you get super <laughs> excited about it. That's no water leak, baby. So, <laughs> so anyway, there we go. Very cool. All right, hey, Bryce, you always get to do it, so this week What's I get that? to do it. You know what time it is? Oh, I do, I do, I do. It's that time for the tip of the week. Well, in this case, do you want to give the tip of the week this week? Since sure, we're yeah. mixing things up? I'll do it. Uh, okay. I'm excited. Right. This will be my first tip of the week. I All right, it. this is a good one. It's time for the tip of the week. Looking for the best source of construction and home remodeling information? You need not look any further than the above-grade podcast hosted by J.S. Brown & Company, Bryce Jacob. There's always new content aimed at educating listeners in an entertaining way. Infotaining, as like we, we like to say, Bryce. Yes, Learning about the latest design trends, construction techniques, the do's and don'ts of DIY projects, and which projects may be best for you, all from the experts who know best. So don't delay and download the next episode of Above Grade. And that's the tip of the week. Awesome. That was you, great. You did a really yeah, nice job. Yeah, and, and I'm going to edit all my mistakes out so no one will know anyway. <laughs> Perfect. That'll be great. Well, good. All right. Well, that's a great tip of the week, and hopefully everybody's been listening, because if, if they didn't hear the tip of the week, they're not listening, so I guess it doesn't <laughs> matter, right? <laughs> oh, well. They're already doing it. So, But binge listen and yeah. share your friend, uh, share yeah. the episode with your friends. Seriously, do that. We, we love having people chime in like, like all the folks have today. So we got a few more questions, right? That's right. Let's uh, do it. Lori from Dublin, are there any rules against building a shed with running water? Any rule? Oh, that's a different question. Mm. Okay. Are there any mm. rules... Uh-huh against building a shed with, with running, running water. water. No, you know, I think it really boils down to um, a, a couple things. One, what does your neighborhood allow mm-hmm. uh, as far as an outbuilding or a structure? Because if you're building a shed with running water, you're probably, I would venture a guess, using it for more than just a shed. Sure. Perhaps. A she shed? A she shed, or maybe it's for gardening, washing, gar- gardening yeah. tools. I don't know. There's a lot of things that you could be doing out there. Um, so it would, it would matter on the jurisdiction that you're in if there's any issues of just having an outbuilding, how you use the outbuilding, the city generally likes to know what you're putting in there. So they don't, you you don't have an apartment back there Mm -hmm. and you're renting it out to another family. So if you have running water back there, they're going to want to know exactly what you're using. And if you're putting a toilet back there and a sink it all of a sudden starts to look an awful lot like an apartment. That would be nice though, to have uh, a toilet where you can just... Get away from the kids and yeah. just have a little me time. So, Lori, Lori, if you're looking at it from building a place to put the in-laws, <laughs> then they're, they're, uh, you, may, you may have to call it what it is and, and see what that area thinks of it. The other possibility is, um, you know, if you're looking at it for the purpose of what I just mentioned, it's simple. You want to wash garden tools. You want to wash your hands before you, you come into the house, whatever it might be. Uh, one of the things I'd just caution you with is anytime you have plumbing that extends from the house to an outbuilding, you've got to make sure those lines are 
insulated really well, or there's a shutoff at the house mm-hmm. and you bleed those lines before winter gets here, you're going to be dealing with, you know, what we talked about, was it Kathy when she had, yeah, Kathy from Powell who had the, frozen the pipes. pipes freezing. Um, that, that'll be a problem. And, and if those freeze or you don't shut that off or bleed those lines, it's kind of like a sprinkler system. You know, the reason sure. the sprinkler company comes out, that PVC underground will just, it'll, it'll pop. pop and no problem. So they blow those lines out and you'd want to have a way of blowing that line out if you're, if you're going to do that. Well, that's, that's interesting. I don't, you know, I had to check with the neighborhood. You're up in Dublin. If you're in Muirfield in Dublin, uh, they might be a little bit more, uh, nice. you know, uh, maybe not. Yeah. Might be against that. Amanda from Worthington, how long does a typical kitchen remodel take, and can you explain what is involved in the timeline? Hmm. Okay, good. Yeah, putting putting us on the spot. You know, every kitchen's a little different. You know, it really depends. There's no silver bullet answer to mm-hmm. this, but generally I would I tell people if you're doing a kitchen plan on three months, uh, three to three and a half months these days with um, the uh, demand, mm-hmm. the cabinet manufacturers sure. are running, you know, at a larger lead time. Your uh, granite and stone fabricators are running at a larger lead time. So there are th- things that are just pushing that. The building departments are also uh, taxed with a larger number of projects that they're inspecting. So sometimes inspections are taking a little bit longer. But a general rule with a kitchen is going to be, I always tell people, plan on at least three to three and a half months if you're doing a full kitchen remodel, if you're just doing countertops and you're doing backsplash, that kind of thing, that's a totally different story. That's not a kitchen remodel. It's just a little update. But in, in a true typical kitchen remodel, all cabinets out, mm-hmm. all plumbing out, you know, you're changing lighting, you're changing flooring, you're putting all new cabinets in, all new countertops, all backsplash, under cabinet lighting, the whole kit and caboodle, um, it's it's going to be three three to three and a half months, somewhere in that area. And uh, and you'll have to remind me of uh, your client's name. She came in and... Um, Amy Sumner? Yes. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. uh, and on that episode, you talked about how you guys helped set up a little kitchen yeah. in one of the side cool. rooms. Because, yeah, imagine being out of your kitchen for three months. Um, but that, that's something fun to think about that J.S. Brown helps with, with the, the toaster ovens in the, well, there's always in the a, living room or whatever. They get, we've learned the hard way to have that conversation <clears> because when people don't have a plan, uh, they expect you to have had it for them. And so, you know, <laughs> when we're remodeling a kitchen, we find that it's really helpful to advise people that, you know, you, here's what, here's what life is going to look like. Sure. So how do you plan to feed your family without all these little accoutrements you're used to having in here? You can only go to McDonald's so many times. Exactly. And so sometimes, you know, people go, Ooh, gosh, I never even thought about that. Other people have a finished basement with a full kitchen down there and they just say, well, we'll just go down here. Sure. And that's great. Other, you know, and a majority of times there isn't a second kitchen Mm -hmm. in the home. So they have to do what Amy Sumner did. And she did it with, you know, bells on. She was just really happy about the fact she was getting a new kitchen. So she programmed those six inches between her ears that this was just going to be the world's greatest thing since sliced bread to, <laughs> you know, live, on, you know, kind of live on the lamb there a little bit. And she was around the corner in the dining room and we ended up reversing the plumbing and through that wall again, temporarily. So she actually had running water oh, wow. and a sink cool. set up and it tied into the old drain. Uh, so that, that kind of stuff was really kind of fun. She had her microwave you know, over to set up uh, across the room and, and he was roughing it. And it wasn't glamorous like at all. <laughs> you know, you'd walk into it and I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, roughing it kitchen. It is better than any third world country kitchen. Sure. I guarantee you that. But it's definitely roughing it. And you have to just, you know, that whole thing I just said a minute ago, got to program those six inches between your ears. That This is, the, you know, this is one of the steps back before you take those major, major steps forward. 
in having a new kitchen. And if you don't have a plan or you don't have the ability and there's costs associated with doing it, you know, if you're going to plumb a kitchen, it's not just free. It doesn't show up. There's costs associated with it, but it can help you get through that hurdle, you know, much, much better than not having a plan at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, a, A, a client of mine uh, from Upper Arlington did a kitchen for her a few years back, and uh, she had a terrific suggestion that I never thought about telling homeowners. But it was just one of those little extra things. Telling homeowners to take their big plastic bins and move the things out of their kitchen and store in the plastic bins, but label the bins. Right. You know, I've always said, put it in bins and you'll have them in the other room. And she said, label, label the bins. And it was so simple, but she said, here I was trying to play the memory game, which was driving me crazy because she's like, I swear it was in this bin. Where's the and soap? Then, Where's where, the whatever? Yeah. Where are the paper plates? Yeah. You know, just the, the basic things that she stored in the bins because there's dust in the house and you don't want to set up a temporary uh-huh. kitchen and, and, and expect it to not get a little dusty. So she's living out of bins and she said, just tell people to put a nice label on it and, and they so they can look at the box and know what's in that bin and it makes it a little bit easier. I thought it was, you know, that it's so smart. basic, you know, it's so basic and you just go, Oh, okay. And it comes from living yeah. through it and yeah. seeing what works. That's a good suggestion. All, All right. right. Uh, Any more? I've got a couple more here. Cool. Jane from Dublin. We have a 10 year old golden retriever that is having trouble getting up and down our hardwood stairs. Oh, what are the trends, pros and cons of having a carpet runner up the stairs? Golden retriever, huh? I well, guess. don't sweep the floors. There'll be enough fur in about a week, right? It won't exactly. slip on the floor. Get the Roomba. Yeah, get the Roomba. Um, no, you know, this is a problem with dogs. Mm-hmm. So there's there's a, a, a lot of an issue with dogs and hardwood floors in general because uh, of their nails. Yeah. Our One, dogs it can damage them. Ripped up our floor. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Love you. <laughs> I know. Well, that's true. So that's, and that's a big dog. Golden Retriever is a big dog. So there's probably damage to the floor and mm-hmm. even the treads. But um, anybody who has just exposed wood treads, if you're wearing socks in your house, you're going to experience a lot of what a dog does running up and down the stairs where sure. you can slip. And, you know, I've done that on my stairs where, you know, I, I catch the edge of it with a sock on. Zip. And I put it, boom, boom, boom. And, um, and so putting a runner on it. I like that. That's good. Putting a runner on the steps uh, of carpet is an option for sure. Are or, there other options? Yeah, you can go to the hospital and get those cool socks that they give you. You know, <laughs> yeah, had a little the, grippy thing. The grips on the bottom. Get your dog little shoes, you know, that are grippy. <laughs> I mean, there's all shoes, kinds of options. Shoes. I don't know that I don't know that um, Judy wants to hear that. So, but those are, you know, there there are definitely some different things you can do. But what, probably one of the most common, and you asked trends, is that was that part of what she said in her yeah, question? Yeah, what, what trend, are the trends? Trends. Yeah, the trends for treads are to have ah, like a that. runner on them so to avoid slipping. Um, you know, cause there's, there's not a lot of other things you can do to an exposed tread. You don't want to put, you're going to slip. I mean, like the, 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 uh, like the sandpapery tape, you know, you see, you don't I wouldn't that on, give that as an wood. option. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't do the, the things in the bottom of the tub yeah, that look yes, like, yeah. you know, stars. Yeah. yeah no, no, that does. no, I wouldn't do those either. So Greg, you, no. Okay. Bad suggestion. All right. Sorry. <laughs> don't listen to me. All right. Bring it on. This is from Ann in Upper Arlington. We have a split-level home and need rails for our stairs. Another stair question, I guess. We're having a hard time trying to find ones of different sizes that we like. What are your recommendations? Well, you got to have a railing in a stairwell. So uh, did I understand that correctly? So there's not a railing in there? Correct. Okay. So split-level. 
In a split level, yeah. So, so there's enough stairs that you're going to yeah. need to have a railing. That's surprising there's not a railing in a split level. Usually there's one hugging the inside of that whole thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, someone probably took it out, you know, because they were moving furniture and it just got in the way and they were like, I don't want to use the darn thing anyway. But, you know, by code, we're, you're supposed to have a railing up a stairwell okay. to just help, you know, sure. with balance. You don't want to lose your balance. Like, you know, especially if you don't have a handrail and you have... You know, socks on, socks on, on, uh, on you trouble. Know, you, you got issues, man. You're just going down. Boom, 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 boom. There it is again. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the um, the railings. I mean, shoot, it depends what kind of material you like. There's iron railings. Go to Fortin Ironworks, man. They're the best. Okay. Go down to Fortin. You can get a cool looking iron thing if you want something contemporary. Uh, they can do something contemporary, something rustic. It's going to be metal. Um, Suburban Steel does some really cool railings and you can do cable rails you know if you want to really make it look contemporary That's really kind of cool looking yeah those are in. awesome cable rail yeah. yeah they're really neat so they're just like it sounds they're cables <laughs> <laughs> interesting yeah. yeah funny they, they call then, it that of course if you're looking for wood there's um you know there's there's a lot of different kind of wood options out there but you know if if you're scratching your head and not knowing the options call a designer mm-hmm. you know you can also call some of the stair companies um, the building material companies that are out there, you know, Straighten Lamp is one that's really good. Linworth Lumber is really good. Talk to one of their experts over there about what kind of handrail might be the best for them. There's also, if you Google, I mean, that gosh, that's the most glorious thing you can do is just Google something for and look at images of stair railings and, you know, make bookmark the ones you like because anything can be made. I mean, again, uh, is that something I want to get into just doing a stair railing for someone? We're not going to be a good fit sure, for you. Sure. You know, so that, that's something really, there are other experts that would do something that's that, um, uh, that's not as involved as something as we would, we would typically do, but we could certainly would be more than happy to guide anybody in the right direction. So that if it's part of a, a bigger uh, project, that's uh, for sure. Well, sure. Yeah. When we're putting an addition on and we're putting a new stairwell and that's going to be part of what's yeah, included right. in the design. Last question. Uh, this is from Dale in Clintonville. Okay. He says, we moved into a new home. The inspector recommends that we get a new fire rated door for the garage. The one that's there now is perfectly fine. Why do we need to make the upgrade? Okay. So the door that you have there, that he has there, Dale, right? Yeah. Has, is uh, is fine in his viewpoint, but the inspector said he needs to get a fire a rated fire door. fire rated door. Well, uh, so Dale, prob- probably what's there, I run into this a lot in, in Clintonville or some of the older neighborhoods where there is a lot of do it yourself or work done on homes. Someone probably got a good deal on a, on a hollow core door would be mm-hmm. my guess. And it's a wood door and it's not fire rated. And that's why that's the only reason an inspector is going to look at it is if it's just not a fire rated door. And if it's a steel door, it very, ra- very likely has at least a 20 minute fire rating, which is acceptable. But uh, the, those hollow core doors or a thin wood door, mm-hmm. just a pine door or a six panel thin wood door, one, it's not going to have any insulating factor to it. Sure, and true. so he'll probably understand the benefit of that right about now <laughs> while it's nice and cold. And, and it's drafty oh, from the garage. I wonder why yeah. there's ice on my door. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- that could be part of the challenge. But yeah, you need to have a fire rated door. Uh, a lot of fires actually start <clears throat> in garages, as you can probably imagine sense. they do, because there's chemicals stored out there. Projects are done out in garage at workshops and you have tools, lacquers and yeah. stains and rags and all that stuff that have a tendency to get thrown in a trash can and then they combust and you get fire in there and then it lights the cars on fire and everything starts blowing up. It's just wonderful. Wow. So <laughs> I, I got there my quick. Garage, yes. Yeah, that went there quick, right? <laughs> but uh, but that, that's one of the reasons why you need a fire rated door. You don't want it spread into the house where people are living 
um, as quickly. You want the alarms to sound and you want people to get a safe exit. So if there's not a door there that's fire rated, that fire can just quickly spread the into house. the house and blow through. And that's where uh, it becomes a real safety concern. So, you know, it, fortunately, fire rated doors aren't terribly expensive. So, you know, you've you got to remove the door, install a new one, and then recase it. And that's, that's about the gist of most of those doors, unless someone wants to change the opening size, then it's much more invasive. Sure. But if it's just a matter of you need a fire-rated door, you, you probably want to get a fire-rated door that has a new jam to it. I would just take the jam out and everything. Jam is the frame and everything that the door sits are those Are the jams fire-rated or... They just they happen just to help. be You're going to have easier. a better seal, yeah. you know, than trying to fit an old, sure. a new door in an old jam. Yeah. So it's like a square peg in a round hole. Exactly. It's just going to be difficult to really make a Especially tight Especially in seal. an old home, I'm sure. Oh, it's yeah. Not it's going to be perfectly straight. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that was fun. That was great. I Those think are all we, great we questions. A lot of people Boy, out. That's, uh, I, I hope <clears> you folks uh, fire a few more our way and we can do this again because I, I really enjoyed this. This is good. A good variety of, of questions. And hopefully you all learned something really good. So, Greg, you did a great job emceeing this thank whole you, thing. Thank you, thank you. My first tip of the week. I'm, I'm really excited about this You one. did a nice job. And I'm glad yeah. what the tip was. Listen to this show. Listen to the show. I'm going to share uh, this one with my grade. mom. Yeah, this is a good one. Good. Well, the rest of you that have something else you'd like to share with us, please do that. And if it motivated you with new questions, don't don't be shy. Don't be bashful with us now. We don't like that. So go to abovegrade at jsbrowncompany.com. Fire us an email with your question at and look what we'll do. We'll get back to you. We just promise. So if you don't have anything to send us, that's okay. Be sure to check out our archive of Above Grave. We've got more juicy nuggets in there for you. There's tons of great stuff, and you get to hear Greg growing into a professional through iTunes is where you can check it out, or at jsbrowncompany.com. We've got a nice little page designated for it. You can download those little episodes and listen to your little heart's content. You can do that over the holidays and binge listen. That's right. Just have a great time with it. If you like the idea of us putting this on YouTube, too, let us know. Shoot us an email because we're considering kicking that idea around so you can actually see some of the sample products out there that we we talk about. And uh, if if you go onto YouTube, you can actually watch the same show you're listening to and uh, and take a peek at what we're talking about. And you can see see why we don't do TV and we're stuck doing radio, (laughs) all that great stuff. Well, look, folks, have a great holiday. Be safe out there. Until next week, this is Bryce Jacob, President J.S. Brown and Company. Wishing you a great week to build from. Above Grade is a Columbus Radio Group production and produced by me, Greg Hansberry.